1: Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation Radio Show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM KXNO. And happy Thursday. Welcome to the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. My name is Andrew Downs. Check us out at HawkeyeNation.com. The best coverage of Hawkeye sports anywhere, even when things aren't going great. We're covering it from all angles. Uh, I'm joined by Joe Schmelke. He is our fearless leader over at HawkeyeNation.com, the president of the Polk County Eye Club and an all around great guy. What's up, Joe? Oh, you
0: know, Andrew, just uh, just trying to Trying to figure all this out. Like, like I said, it's just, man, oh, man. Just, the press, the national press is all over us for bad reasons, I guess. And, and uh, I just hope we get through this thing. Kirk's got some answers. We've been here before. We have. And, uh, you know, he's 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 always found a solution. So I'm confident that that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, another uh, tough another tough week in, in Hawkeye Nation for a lot of reasons. Obviously, the game itself, uh, 54-10, uh, beat down by Ohio State a game that I think we all expected to maybe not go quite that poorly in the second half but to, to not be a great game anyway so you know no, no news really coming out of there other than that uh, Alex Padilla did start the second half did fumble the very first snap he, he attempted to take the throw an interception was actually somehow statistically worse than than Spencer Petrus in, in the second half of that game but um, yeah the, just the, the noise around the program right now Joe is it's not good it's toxic uh, on social media as you mentioned the the national columnists and podcasters and everybody uh taking an easy shot at Iowa right it's low-hanging fruit the offense is really bad Brian Ferentz is Kirk Ferentz's son Kirk has been here a long time uh those guys tend to get a little snarky and and you know have have some issues in press conferences when when things get like this and so um it's just this kind of swirl right now and and you hope that a good game on Saturday, uh, a win over a bad Northwestern team. It's not going to fix everything. It, may, it probably isn't going to fix anything for a lot of people, but it should at least quell some of that noise a little bit and maybe, again, take some of the toxicity out of the conversations around the program right now. Uh, so, so you hope that that this is kind of a get-right week for for Iowa as a, as a program, uh, for the Ferences, for for the offense, regardless of who the quarterback is. Uh, it feels like this is a, uh, a game that... Uh, can you know again not fix everything, maybe not fix anything but but maybe at least stop the bleeding a little bit
0: yeah it's uh it's a game <laughs> I think I said this three times though. it's a game we gotta have um its it, it is it gonna fix everything no, but if we lose this game and that the offense goes out there and puts up you know six points and turns the ball over five times, and Northwestern finds a way to beat us. Uh, which you know they have many times in the past. Uh, and then then it, it, it's really going to get ugly. And 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 so you know we're the better team. I'm confident of that. Uh, Northwestern's got a lot of challenges this year. Our defense is great. Our special teams are very good. We had some even breakdowns there. A punter deciding he wants to take off and be a running back. <laughs> um, but you know it, you know if he makes that play, hey, it's a it's a nice play. But but he didn't miss missed it by about a yard or so. And and that's just kind of the way this offense has been this year. But yeah, we we need a win. I mean, a win cures a lot of uh, cures a lot of bad, right? That's the number one stat. You can talk offensive rankings and not scoring points and everything like that, but uh, a thirteen to three win is a heck of a lot better than a uh, thirteen to ten loss. And uh, we 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 need a win, and we need to just finish the season out, you know. Strong. I don't know that strong we got five games left. But we need to. I mean we need we really need to win. I th- I think we really need to win four of these last five games. And then I think, you know, everybody'll settle down a little bit. Uh Kirk has been here before. Uh he will very patiently evaluate everything. Uh he's not one of these guys that's gonna snap his finger and all right we're gonna try this, all right, we're gonna try that, or we're gonna do this. No, he's he he's very patient. And just when you think oh he doesn't know what he's doing, you know, he, he proves us all wrong many times and uh and, and and I think I'm confident he'll get this thing turned around. Um but yeah, it's uh right now on the national basis it's just kinda gotten out of control. It's like you said, we're we're the easy target right now and everybody that wants uh has podcast or you know, whatever, they want to take a shot at it. Uh, you know, he got reporters and you know they're upset with the coach making seven million bucks a year. A lot of people are, I suppose, and uh, you know, and teams the team's not performing at the level that Kirk wants it to, Brian wants it to, and I doubt there's anybody working any harder, right? You know, to 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 make it better than than those two and and really everybody associated with the program. So, you know, all the positive, all the all the negative, vibe needs to settle down with it. Fans need to show up Saturday. We need to scream and yell and. And and, and help this team, you know, win a game and uh, hopefully win another game and get some confidence, get some players back. Uh, Keegan Johnson, I I don't know what's going on there, but it doesn't sound like he's going to play again. But I like the look of Vine, uh, number zero for us. He played his first game the other day. And uh, Rico, uh, or I'm sorry, Reganey looks good. And Arlen Bruce is a good player. So, yeah. uh, Brody Breck's back a little bit, so you know it's offense. We're not, we're not playing. We're not playing Ohio State. We're not playing Michigan. <laughs> That's you right. Know? We're not playing, and we're not playing Illinois. Say what you want. Um, Illinois is a good team, right?
1: Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw rankings uh, this week, Joe, that uh, four of, of the teams Iowa has played are in the top 12 defensively in the country uh, right now. Iowa's in there as well. And, and you could say that you know, some of those, those teams had good days against a bad offense uh, in the Hawkeyes, but Iowa has faced some, some really good defenses. I'm, I'm not saying that's why the offense has looked as bad as it has. There's a lot of issues there, as we've discussed kind of ad nauseum on, on this show and others. Uh, but, but Iowa has faced some good teams. Uh, that's not the case this Saturday. Uh, you, you talk about some of the weapons iowa has on offense and and they certainly do the question is who's going to be getting them the ball and that's an answer that we don't have as we sit here on thursday uh i thought for sure um yeah i didn't expect to get it in the the depth chart on monday i didn't expect to get it in the post game on saturday joe but i did expect kirk uh on on tuesday to announce that that they were going to let alex padilla kind of take this and, and see what he can do with it um I, you know, we've all been clamoring for a change. That that was a, a hard time to make that change. I think you had to make it at that time. If you're Kirk Ferentz, I don't know why you didn't make it earlier. But I, I think at that point, that first half against Ohio State, it was clear uh, that that Spencer Petrus was not going to get the job done. Uh, it turns out Alex Padilla wasn't either. And and I don't think Alex Padilla is going to come in and, and be a, a savior of this offense. But I do think uh, you you owe him a chance to kind of take this job if he's able to. And and that would entail you know having all the first team reps. In practice, and, and kind of walking around that locker room and and uh, and that campus as though he is the starter. Um and so I, I guess I'll, I've been a little disappointed by by that this week, and in that I now have this feeling that it's going to be Spencer Petrus, and uh, we kind of know what we have in him, and, and I like Spencer as a guy, obviously, uh, but I'm worried that you know he's going to get booed as soon as he runs onto the field Saturday afternoon, and and the tension is going to just start building inside that stadium again. Um, and and at some point you just have to to try Padilla or even try Labus or, or you just something different. Um, where are you at with the whole quarterback situation right now? And I guess would you be surprised? if uh we find out later this week or Saturday afternoon that that Spencer Petrus will be the starter,
0: no I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was Petrus. um I think this is pro this is total Kirk right now where he's going to take his time, he's going to evaluate they had a hard practice on Tuesday, another one uh on Wednesday, and they'll sit down, look at the film and everything and 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 they will make their they'll make their decision based on on what they see, and neither one of these guys is is you're Going to overcome uh, what I'll call a lot of the weaknesses in the offensive line. They're part of it. Our quarterback play is certainly a large part of the problem. Um, lack of wide receivers being healthy uh, has been a problem. Um, but the biggest problem, Andrew, it's been like this all year: is the offensive line. Yeah, um, they're just they're just not good, and they're very young. They're very inexperienced. We um, got four sophomores and a uh, freshman starting and it's going to take time and so it has been ugly but with that said we played two of the best teams in the country you're not going to beat michigan this year and you're certainly not anybody thought we were going to go into ohio state and beat them was crazy yeah i think they could play better certainly At, you know late in the first late in the first half it was 19 to 10 right yeah and uh um, and, and 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 then features, uh, through that pass that even Rick Clatt was like I have no idea what Spencer saw on that play or what Peters saw on that play, and they ran it in for the pick six. Uh, you know, in, until that moment, I'm not saying we're going to win the game. Don't get me wrong, but we were very competitive with them, and 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 we had stopped them. You know, three or four times kept them out of the end zone, and uh, you know our defense was playing really good. And that just kind of took the wind out of the sails out of everybody. Yes. You know, it yes. was that, that one play. And I don't know what happened. If you look down the field, it certainly looks like Reganey was wide open long. We don't even look long. You know, I, and I think that's another problem with our offense. Once in a while, you just got to throw it long. <laughs> yes. Even if you don't get it completed, you might get a pass interference, or at least you make them think we're going to throw it long. We don't. And and that's where I, I just question our offensive philosophy sometimes. But... Anyway, it's uh we're we're done with the tough part of the schedule, okay? And it was a brutal first part of the schedule. Everybody thought Illinois was gonna be an easy game. They're they're a good team. And everybody's gotta quit thinking, well, Illinois's not that good. No, they are a good team. Um Bielema went out, got a bunch of guys in the portal, put a team together that has a really good offensive line and a really good uh defensive line, really good defense. And um they got a good running game. He's basically got these is Wisconsin type team and a back for a year. So anyway, I mean, uh, they're going to lose a lot of players, but, um, anyway, now we, now we got a more manageable part of the schedule where, where we're going to be an underdog by two or three points, or we're going to be favored by two or three points. Every game is winnable. Um, and every game is could get beat (laughs) Yes, somewhere or another. We need, I, I really think we need to find a way to go four and one, And I think it's right there for us. We get some wide receivers healthy. We get just decent play out of the quarterback. You can't, you can't, you're never going to win a game. They turn the ball over six times. And then you have a punter who takes off running. That was really a turnover too. So if you look at it, think about it. So um, that's where I see it at. I don't know. how, How can you get your offensive line dramatically better? Well, one way is to play lesser competition. (laughs) You know, this this is not Ohio State. Our offensive line is going to look a lot better, I'm confident, on Saturday because they're playing Northwestern than they are playing Michigan or Illinois or Ohio State. So right there, you're going to see improvement.
1: And I th- and I think that's such a big thing, Joe, is is to get that confidence to to do something this Saturday to kind of get everybody feeling better about things, get that offense rolling a little bit, uh, you know, score a few touchdowns, have the defense pitch a shutout, or you know, do what they do, and uh, and, and then you you know you head into that Purdue game and and you feel like. If you have some confidence, if you've got some momentum, uh, again, as you said, these are all winnable games. None of these are good teams. Now, Iowa's not a very good team either, uh, but Iowa has a better defense than than they're going to face. Uh, again, they have better special teams than any of the teams they're going to face. And if this offense can just find a way, and it feels like – Kirk and Brian clearly think that this offense is is not close to being great, but at least close to being salvageable, uh, close to being serviceable. Um, you, you feel like if one or two things can come together, uh, you know the, the, these games are all winnable. They're all losable too, right? Five and 0 and five, anything in between. Nothing would shock me at this point. But uh, I, I think it is important <laughs> just to just to. to Remember that this season isn't over. There's still five games left. They are five Big Ten West games. I mean, these are these are our biggest rivals that, that we're playing these next five weeks. And so uh, this season is still salvageable. I think changes will need to be made after the season, regardless of what happens. I think you got to really evaluate quarterback situation, quarterback coaching, uh, quarterback recruitment and development, offensive scheme, offensive play calling. Uh, you need a new offensive coordinator, regardless of what happens in these next five games. But you can quiet a lot of this noise, get a lot of that toxicity out of, uh, off of social media, out of the fan base, uh, you know, not be a national punchline. And I think just those things would, would go a long way into kind of, again, quieting everything down. And, and as I encourage people to do on, on the Hawkeye Nation podcast earlier this week, just take a breath, pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, it's bad, but not every, the, the sky is not falling. Uh, and, and I think this, this game at Northwestern is a big step to, uh, in that direction.
0: Totally. It is. And, and everybody, like I said, everybody just needs to take a little bit of a deep breath and let's see how this season finishes out. You, you, you don't base a season on, on the first seven games, you base total season on, on all 12 games. And then you hope to get to a bowl game. This team needs to get to a bowl game. Okay. They need those extra practices. We are the second youngest team in the big 10. All right. And, and, it, you know, we, we, we've got to find a way to get there. and, Somehow or another, we've got to win three more games, four more games, and that's going to have a huge uh, help for us going into next year. If we don't get into a bowl game and we don't get those practices over the winter, you know, that, that hurts. Um, that's when they really spend a lot of time working with these younger guys and, and, and working to develop them and do some extra things. So I'm, I'm confident. I mean, I, I think we're going to come out. We're going to play well Saturday. Like you said, you know, somehow or another, if the offense could have put a ball in the end zone against Iowa State and a ball in the end zone, you know, had first and goal at the five. I mean, the defense teed it up. Yeah, find a way to put the ball in the end zone there against against uh, Illinois. we not. We don't have any of this stuff going on. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll have been beaten by by uh, you know Michigan and Ohio State, and that's almost kind of expected this yep. year. I mean, they're really really good. But we're just so inept on offense. It's just crazy how inept we are, and and making so many mistakes. You know, all these turnovers. I mean, I this it, it, it's just unusual for us turnovers and penalties. Yeah, seems like we've got multiple turnovers and penalties this year, and that's not a Kirk Ferentz coached offense
1: no that, that's not you're right that, that's that been a big issue it, it really has they haven't played clean games they, they need to clean that up here in the back half of the season Joe thank you as always for joining me I'll let you get out of here enjoy homecoming weekend in Iowa City bring home a win uh, from Kinnick Stadium and you and I'll talk again next Thursday hopefully about a, uh, a winning streak that I was going to start here in these final five games Absolutely. Go Hawks. Take care, buddy. Go Hawks, show Thank you. That's Joe Schmelke, the president of the Polk County Eye Club, our leader at HawkeyeNation.com. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, 106.3 k So If you've missed any of it, check it out at HawkeyeNation.com. Just go to the podcast page. Uh, that's where you'll find uh, a lot of stuff at HawkeyeNation.com. Rob Howe, Rick Brown, John Bonacamp covering things from all angles. I'm doing podcasts every week uh, there as well. And, uh, and we will be back to start taking a look at the Northwestern game. This is the Hawkeye Nation Radio Show, 106.3 KXNO.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez.
1: And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're hear in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. Let's get to this week's game, Iowa back home, riding a three-game losing streak, hosting Northwestern for a homecoming game Saturday at 2.30. At last check, the Hawkeyes are 11-point favorites. And my guest today covers Northwestern for Inside NU. It's editor-in-chief Gavin Dorsey. Gavin, thanks for the time today.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Gavin, we all remember late August in Ireland where the Wildcats shocked the world and sped up the firing process of Scott Frost with a win over Nebraska. Uh, going back to that that time, how big was that win and, uh, and where were the expectations for this season when the team came back from Ireland?
2: Well, that win was honestly huge. And, I mean, the feeling around campus was honestly that, hey, maybe this is going to be different than last year. Um, it certainly seemed like that. I mean, you look at the game where... You know, the offense, I believe, had over 500 yards. And the defense, while struggling early, ended up playing pretty well in the end. And you're like, man, this could be a return to kind of the 2020, 2020 or 2018 seasons where the Big Ten West is wide open and we take it. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Northwestern has fallen incredibly far from that point. It really has just been, you know, not even just unfortunate, but kind of brutal to watch. Um, and the team that we saw, you know, across the pond in Ireland seems very different from the team that we're watching right now.
1: Yeah, you, you, you mentioned that. Obviously, things have not gone well since then. Six straight losses. What, what's been the most glaring issue for Northwestern in those six games?
2: Well, I think when you look at the beginning of the season, the the issue was definitely the defense. I mean, the team, the defense was very susceptible to long plays. They were you know, consistently getting torched over and over again. You know, the team allowed 31 points to Southern Illinois. Um, But also then when you kind of advance over the progression of the season, it's really been the offense that has struggled as well. Um, You know, only 14 combined points and touchdown each against Penn State and Wisconsin, and the offense kind of struggled leading for – or leading Pat Fitzgerald to make the switch eventually this past week uh, to Brendan Sullivan. So, really, it's kind of been – you know night and day whether which unit is going to have an off day um i'd say the biggest issue is definitely the secondary the defense is incredibly bad at giving up long plays and always seems to get gashed every game um, and that has led to the majority of their problems.
1: Well, hey, I've got good news, news for you. You've got Iowa's offense uh, this week. and They don't seem capable <laughs> of gashing anybody, but uh, we'll, we'll certainly get to that. Uh, Gavin, Ryan Holinsky out, Brendan Sullivan in at quarterback. Do you expect Sullivan to be the guy this weekend? And, and what does he bring to the offense that Holinsky doesn't?
2: I do expect him to be the guy this weekend. I think he performed very well against Maryland, given the circumstances, obviously. Um, And he really just brings an amount of athleticism to the quarterback position that Northwestern hasn't had with Ryan Helensky. Um, Helensky, obviously, is supposed to be a kind of strong-arm pocket passer, um, hasn't had really that great of a pocket presence since playing for Northwestern. And so with Sullivan, You know, even if his arm isn't necessarily as strong, you add that scrambling ability, that ability to run the football and confuse defenses that you really have seen so much in college football that you need to have in order to be a successful team. And so there's a lot that you can get from Brendan Sullivan as far as that and as far as that scrambling mobility. Um, And I really, I do expect him to be the guy probably for the rest of the season, Maybe beyond if he plays well.
1: Who else uh, offensively should Hawkeye fans be watching when Northwestern has the ball?
2: Well, the big name obviously is Evan Hull. Um, you know, one of the best running backs in the Big Ten this year hasn't really had a lot of opportunities down the stretch as the offensive line has been suspect and the quarterback play has been suspect. But he is a threat both on the ground and through the air. Um, definitely somebody that the Hawkeyes should be watching. They'll remember him from last year when he had that fourth quarter touchdown to bring Northwestern to within a score. Um, obviously, the Hawkeyes ended up prevailing there, but Evan Hole is easily the biggest weapon on the offense um, and one that you know, Northwestern should look to rely heavily on if they do want to compete with this Hawkeyes team.
1: You talk about the defense being susceptible with some big plays, uh, but what, what players or position groups have been playing well? Who, who should Iowa fans be focused on, uh, on that side of the ball?
2: Well, defensive event, Adetamiwa Adabare. Uh, you know, you can look up how to spell that yourself. Um, <laughs> but he has been pretty great for Northwestern all year long. Um, in a general defensive line that has been struggling to get pressures, He's played pretty well this season. He uh, could hear his name called in the late rounds of the NFL draft. I'd say he's definitely one of the few players in the defense who's played uh, great so far. Also, in the secondary, you look and you see uh, Cam Mitchell, the starting quarterback, or start, starting cornerback. Um, you know, as much as he's been dealing with injury and, you know, has allowed a couple big plays here and there, uh, generally he's been pretty solid uh, for the Wildcats in that secondary. And so those are. In, in a unit that has had a lot of dark spots, they are two bright spots.
1: It's been a tough season for both of these teams, both of which are led by long-tenured head coaches. Uh, is there any hot, hot seat talk within the fan base when it comes to Pat Fitzgerald?
2: The fan base, absolutely. Is it actually realistic? Probably not. Yeah. I think when you look at Pat Fitzgerald, he has become synonymous with Northwestern, not just with football, but within the university and, you know, as much as a lot of the fan base is, like, getting up, fire, everybody talks, um, I really don't think that Fitzgerald is gone before both the two coordinators are. And so, as much as a lot of people are realizing, hey, this could be our third three and 3-9 season in four years, something's got to change, um, I really don't see Fitzgerald being gone anytime soon. Uh, much much less before the coordinators are gone. But I'd say the, the fan base is definitely getting impatient.
1: Ah, the similarities are endless between these two programs right now. Right, uh, exactly. <laughs> Gavin, this has been a back-and-forth rivalry for a long time. Northwestern has often been a thorn in the side of the Hawkeyes. We all know Pat Fitzgerald's history with Iowa and, and kind of how, how he gets up for this game. What's your sense of kind of how the program and, and the fan base feel about Iowa? Like as in, te- in terms of the team or in yeah, terms of I guess this game coming a- up? Yeah, as like a program overall.
2: Well, I definitely feel like it's probably one of the, you know, better Big Ten rivalries that Northwestern has. I mean, obviously there's Illinois up until this past year. Uh, you know, that had been pretty one-sided. But I feel like Iowa is just kind of every single year, you never really know who's going to win. And across both fan bases, I think it's really just this idea that both teams are kind of the epitome of Big Ten football. Strong defenses. Maybe suspect offenses and usually a pretty good run game. And I think every time that Northwestern plays Iowa, you honestly have no idea who's going to win. I think, you know, as much as it's probably both fan bases are not really looking forward to this game, I think it'll be a good one.
1: He is Inside NU editor in chief, Gavin Dorsey, GJ Dorsey7 on Twitter. Give him a follow and check out his work at Inside NU. Gavin, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
1: There it is. A lot of similarities between these two programs, between these two seasons. Iowa's not quite as far down as Northwestern is, or at least that's how it seems. But we will find out Saturday afternoon which team is worse. Uh, this is a this is a winnable game for Iowa. This is a, in a lot of ways a must win for Iowa. If you if you look at the rest of the schedule, I think five winnable games, but this is the one that looks uh, like a certain win. Uh, Iowa, an eleven point favorite uh, against a team that struggles defensively, struggles offensively, may have found a new quarterback uh, as. We heard uh, Gavin talk about there, and that, that's a little bit worrisome. And and then you never, you never like Northwestern at Kinnick Stadium, and never like Pat Fitzgerald against Kirk Ferentz, but. Um, you you have to feel pretty good about this game. The problem is, I don't think anything can happen in this game that's going to make most of you, most of us, feel better about this season or this offense or uh, kind of the outlook of things moving forward. Uh, even like a fifty-five to nothing win, where Alex Padilla or Spencer Petrus looks really good running the offense, it's all going to be well. Northwestern is terrible, and uh, and you're going to have to do that time and time again here in these next five games. It'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. It, it. I'm just hoping that we have fun watching Iowa football once this season. And, and if that's going to happen, it could be this Saturday afternoon. Coming up next on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO, I'm going to encourage you to take a breath. Here's what I'm going to try to do here. and uh, And some of you aren't going to like it. Uh, Some of you may be cheering in the background. Um, but I'm, I'm just going to be upfront about what what my plan is here for the next several minutes uh, here on the Hawkeye Nation podcast. Uh, if this isn't what you're looking for, I understand. Uh, go ahead and go on with the rest of your day. Uh, join me tomorrow as I do a uh, opposition research podcast and start looking at the Northwestern game. Uh, join me after that game for an instant reaction podcast. And check out HawkeyeNation.com for uh, coverage of of all Hawkeye sports and, and all areas. We had some really cool news out of uh, the Iowa. Win- Women's basketball program today is Caitlin Clark is a back-to-back preseason first-team All-American. That's the first Hawkeye, a women's basketball player, to ever achieve that. Um, obviously, Iowa is expected to, to make a lot of noise in women's basketball this year. Behind Caitlin Clark, uh, one of the favorites for Player of the Year and all of those things. I'm also very excited about the men's season. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting, but I think where. Fran McCaffrey has this program right now is a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm excited to dive into that. So yeah, check all of that out at uh, at HawkeyeNation.com and, uh, and and stick with me here. What I want to do today is just be a little beacon of light. It's a little beacon of maybe not hope, uh, maybe of rationality in a really dark storm. And this is a dark storm. And I guess I'll start there by just kind of laying out, you know, all of the obvious. The offense is terrible. Iowa was routed 54-10 by Ohio State. Um things went from bad to worse for the Iowa offense. They they couldn't move the ball. Six turnovers, should have been seven probably. Um you, you finally got the change in quarterback that people had been clamoring for, but it was a, a weird time to make that change at halftime at the horseshoe against one of the best teams in the country, and a tragedy that even Shakespeare couldn't have written when Alex Padilla fumbles the first snap that he takes, throws an interception on the third snap, uh, has a statistically worse game than Spencer Petrus did in the first half, and, and that's saying something Petrus threw an interception on his first snap. Threw a pick six, which really took Iowa out of the game at that point. Um, I was never truly in the game. They had a lead thanks to an incredible play by Joe Evans, just an incredible individual effort, uh, to, to sack CJ Stroud, uh, pick up, get up, pick up the football, and run it into the end zone. Uh, incredible. Uh, and, and for the Iowa defense to hold Ohio State to four field goals in that first half when Ohio, Ohio State got the ball inside Iowa's 30, each of those four possessions. Um, you know, give up 54 points. It's hard to praise the offense a whole or the defense rather a whole lot, but uh, we we can do that. Those of us who watch the game and understand the context of all this uh, can, can understand that a really good defense can give up 54 points when the floodgates break open uh, in the second half when they're on the field constantly and then the offense can't uh, not just not do them any favors, but really really hurt them in in a lot of ways by giving Ohio State short fields and all of that. Uh, so it went really really badly for Iowa on Saturday in Columbus. It was, and and things have gone really badly all season for Iowa's offense, so like, I don't want to try to sugarcoat this. I don't want you to think that I'm going to try to make the case that Iowa is something it's not. I'm as frustrated by this as you are, I promise you. I hate watching this as much as you do. I promise you. This isn't fun. It's not fun for me. I know it's not fun for you. It's not fun for the players or the coaches or anybody involved. I'm not going to tell you to not be upset. The season is bad. It's been bad. It's not over, but it's been awful, especially offensively. Again, there's no sugarcoating that. There's no denying it. And I haven't seen anybody try to defend this offense or the way it's played this season outside of, I guess, the coaching staff defending it to some extent, although that that has really gone away uh, as well. Iowa has become a a laughingstock nationally, offensively, and it's – It's low-hanging fruit for national columnists and pundits and podcasters and broadcasters to talk about Iowa's offense and talk about the nepotism that is Brian Ferentz being the offensive coordinator and talk about the long tenure of Kirk Ferentz and how it's gotten stale and da-da-da-da-da. I get it. It's low-hanging fruit. Um, To the national media, I know so many of them are listening Hey, spare your worry or despair on our behalf. We'll be just fine. Don't feel sorry for us as Iowa fans. I just hate that. I hate that crap. Think about the fans. Think, yeah, we we we're here. We've been here. We know what's going on. We're more plugged in than you are. You're gonna do your little drive by on Iowa football, and and try to make it as though you're you're speaking on behalf of us. Now we're good. We're okay. Spare it for us. Don't feel sorry for us. We got ourselves into this. We'll get ourselves out of it. I also just want to kind of dismiss a couple of things out of hand. I do not believe that Kirk Ferentz is trolling us when he talks to the media, when he talks about practice, when he talks about Spencer Petras giving them the best chance to win. I do not believe he's doing it just because he's so stubborn. And I do not believe he's doing it out of pride. I also don't believe he's doing it because Brian Ference is his son. Now, as a father, I understand it would be difficult to look objectively at your kid. Is Kirk Ference too proud? Yeah, maybe. That's not why he's doing this. Is he too stubborn? Yeah, again, maybe. But that's not why he's doing this. He's not intentionally doing this. And that's the part of this. It's fun to have that conversation. I know it's fun to make our jokes on Twitter and on podcast. I get it. I'm there too, right? But I do not believe that Kirk Ferentz is doing this for any reason other than that this is what what he thinks is best for the team. I'm not going to cross that line. I'm not going to go there. And, and maybe you are, and maybe I'm a I'm too big of a defender of his, and maybe I'm, you know, a, a coach defender in general because you've heard me on this podcast defending Fran McCaffrey for a long time, um, and Kirk Ferentz doesn't need me to defend him. But I do not believe, and I will not entertain the thought that this is some sort of intentional thing to like screw us over or to show us or to show the media or to prove people wrong, right? I do not believe he's putting Spencer Petrus out there. Or he's afraid. I've seen this. He's afraid that Alex Padilla is going to do do well and make him and Brian look bad. So he doesn't want. That's why they put him out there against Ohio State because they knew he would look bad. And if they if they, if they put him out there against Northwestern and he looks good, it's going to make Kirk Ferentz look bad. No, winning makes Kirk Ferentz look good. Losing makes Kirk Ferentz look bad. Period. Period. So I I, I want to dismiss all of that. Also. Again, I'm as frustrated by this as you are. I I have eyes. I see this. I see this offense. I don't like it. I get upset every Saturday watching it. But what I'm trying to do is just give a little bit of context and maybe just encourage you to take a breath, to tap the brakes, to slow down. Because what I've seen this week, and it's been growing over the last couple of weeks, but this week in particular And it's kind of blowing up again this afternoon as Kirk Ferentz, uh, had the audacity to say something bad about the media, um, is this anti-Kirk Ferentz sentiment and not even just an anti-Kirk Ferentz sentiment, a sentiment that he, it's, his tenure is over and it's time to move on. I just, I don't think we are there yet. First of all, it's not realistic. He's owed too much money. He has Gary Barta by the short hairs, um, It's not going to happen. I don't believe Kirk Ferentz is going to retire after this season. I don't. I also don't believe it's time to run him out of town. I think talk of his legacy, talk of the state of the program being in shambles is going too far. It's It's an emotional reaction to a bad season. That's what it is. I do believe a change will be made this offseason at offensive coordinator. It, it absolutely has to be made. And as stubborn as Kirk Ferentz can be and as complicated as this situation clearly is with his eldest son, Kirk Ferentz has eyes also. He's not blind. He's not going to let the program fall into disarray because he's too proud to make a change. Again, maybe you disagree with me on that, and that's okay. I'm okay with Kirk Ferentz not firing Brian Ferentz in the middle of the season. Partially because that's not how he does things. He has never fired a coach in the middle of the season. I don't think he ever will fire a coach in the middle of the season. He's made it very clear. He evaluates things after the season. They go into a season with a plan, and they work that plan as best they can during the season. And if a change needs to be made, it'll be made after the season. But mostly I'm okay with that change not happening right now because I don't think it's going to fix anything this season. I don't think firing Brian Ferentz changes this offense. I don't think, honestly, that putting Alex Padilla in at quarterback drastically changes this offense. Now hopefully Alex Padilla gets some more time. Maybe he'll be the starter. Uh, They haven't made that decision yet, apparently, going into the Northwestern game. But let's say Alex Padilla is the starter and the offense makes some small improvements over the next few weeks. I think that's about as good as you can hope for. But there is a large extent to which this offense is what it is this season. And what it is is really bad. Again, I'm not trying to sugarcoat this or, or, or pretend like it's not happening. And yes, Kirk Ferentz is to blame for all of this. They're running his offense. These are his players that he recruited and that he coached. The coaches on that staff are people that he hired and he has developed. Okay? This is on him. But this noise that's emerging from our fan base about Kirk Ferentz's legacy or the state of the program overall is just going too far. Maybe this is the start of the end of the Kirk Ferentz era. Maybe Kirk's legacy will be tainted by this. But we just need to pump the brakes on that. We don't know. The season isn't over. This is the first bad season since at least 2014. And if it is ultimately a losing season, which we don't know, it would be the first losing season since 2012. Iowa has won 10 games, two of the past three seasons. The one they didn't was 2020, COVID. They went 6-2, and two, won six in a row, probably would have won eight in a row and gone 8-2, and two, had Michigan and Maryland, or um, Missouri rather, been able to play at the end of that year. This program is not in shambles. Now, you can make the argument that they went 10-4 last year despite the offense, and, and you're 100% right. That's a valid point. But they were good enough to win those games. This is bad, and it's probably not going to get a lot better this season. And I, I get that, and I get why it's frustrating. But Kirk Ferentz has earned the chance to make a change and rebound from this. He has. He deserves a chance to change the offense, to use the transfer portal to find another quarterback, to take his elite defense and special teams, and to rebuild this team and try to make a turnaround like he did between 2014 and 2015. Now maybe he can do it, maybe he can't. I don't know. I can't see the future. But he has absolutely earned the opportunity to try. And this talk that Halfway through his first bad season in nearly a decade, and and it's time to run him out out of town, and everything is in shambles. I mean, Iowa's coming off its best five, six, seven-year span in the history of the program. Iowa has some of its best recruiting classes coming in. They've missed on some things. They haven't developed people the way that, that you'd want them to. The offensive line is not good. The quarterback play is not good. They've had injury issues with, with some of the weapons, but even those weapons are unproven at best. But two things can be true. It can be okay to acknowledge that things aren't good right now, that this is a bad season, that this offense is historically bad. And also acknowledge that Kirk Ferentz doesn't need to be fired because he's had one big bad season. It has to be okay for Iowa to have a bad season now and then it just does it has to be okay if you want a team that's never going to have a bad season that's never going to have a losing record that's never going to win fewer than 10 games there's a bunch of those out there I would encourage you to go be a fan of those teams and I'm not trying to be a I'm not trying to say you're, you're not a real Hawkeye fan but let's just try to be realistic about this Just take a breath. Pump the brakes. That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying be happy about this. I'm not saying don't care about this. I'm not saying it's not bad, and I'm not saying it's absolutely going to get better. What I'm saying is you have to give it time to play out. We don't know how these next five games are going to go. These next five teams are not very good. Now, we're not very good either. We've been close in some of these games. We played really good defenses. I think, uh, according to one of the tweets I saw, with you know one of the, the rankings of defenses, where I is ranked number two. I think four of our games have been against top twelve defenses this year. Now, I, I, this offense probably wouldn't look good against the Sisters of the Poor, but you have to put some context into this, right? And acknowledge some of this. I hope Alex Padilla wins this job this week. I don't know how he hasn't already. That's frustrating to me, also. I don't know why you don't just give him this week for sure, regardless of what happens in practice. Um, give him a week with the ones, give him a legitimate opportunity, give him a team, a, a game against a bad defense in Northwestern to gain some confidence, to earn some trust, to earn some fans. At the very least, don't let Spencer Peters go out there and get booed by 65,000 or however many show up on Saturday afternoon. You put Alex Petty out there; he's going to get cheered. You put Spencer Petrus out there; he's going to get booed. Now they're all going to get booed if it doesn't look good, and that's too bad. But that's where we are. But we don't know how this season is going to go yet. We don't know that they're a three and nine team. They could be. They could be a seven and a seven and five team. All right, and and and, and again, I want to make this clear: even if they are a seven and five team, that doesn't absolve. Any of the blame for any of the issues we've seen. I don't think the offense is going to change drastically even if they win some of these games. And I do think changes will need to be made in the offseason. I think Kirk Ferentz has earned the opportunity to make those changes. Now if I'm a betting man, do I bet that he allows whoever the next offensive coordinator is to come in and drastically change things? Probably not. Probably not. But he's earned the right to, to try. If I'm a betting man, do I bet that Iowa wins four of its next five games and ends up having a decent season? No, I, I, I would not bet that. But they deserve the chance to try. And to, to throw the baby out with the bathwater halfway through the first bad season in a decade is unfathomable to me. I just don't understand. I get the frustration. I get the anger. I get why it's aimed at Kirk Ferentz. It should be. It's why he makes that salary. It's why he has that job. It's what he's dealt with for 25 years. It's why he's there. I get it. But man, there needs to be just a little bit of restraint or maybe just a little bit of context. I just, I've just i been disappointed by the number of people and the type of people I've seen turntail this quickly on this program. And I know you're doing it out of the goodness of your hearts. I know you're doing it because you love the Hawkeyes and you want to see them do well. And it hurts you like it hurts me to have them not doing well. I get all that. <sighs> Take a breath. If you don't want to watch Saturday, don't watch. If you can't watch the rest of the games, don't. But starting to a me to fire Kirk Ferentz, saying you're going to fly a banner over the stadium saying fire Kirk Ferentz. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, that's where I'm at with that. Thank you so much for listening to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. If you missed any of the show, check it out on the podcast page at hawkeynation.com or just search Hawkeye Nation wherever you get your podcasts. Love you to rate and subscribe and let us know how we're doing. Uh, Visit hawkeynation.com. Thank you so much for listening, and go Hawks.